Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor, Sync Cloud, and it's available in the cloud. Where's it available, Paul? <laughs> the cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, to name but a few, and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Right, we're back. We're back for another episode of the pig wrestling podcast and today i'm happy to introduce danny ward um london broncos head coach and looking at danny's record he's um he's played the game at highest level but i'm gonna let danny talk about that during the episode so welcome danny welcome joan welcome leon for another episode so joe if you want to hit him with the first question please Okay, morning, Danny. Thanks for morning. joining us today. Gorgeous day. I'm sure it's the same where you are. It's absolutely beautiful here. So um, we'll get through this and we can all go out in the sunshine. So the first question is, what are one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Um, probably there's a, there's a couple, really, from different different periods of my life. I think the first one takes me back to when I was at school doing GCSE um, English, um, Kestrel for the Nave. Uh, which obviously, you know, sprouted the, the famous film Kez, which is an absolute, you know, an absolute classic. But the book itself and, you know, turning back to me, me school years, about 13, 14, going into my GCSE period, I was just a typical typical lad, class clown, bit of an idiot, um, not doing much at school, not paying attention to school, just wanted to be out playing rugby as, as most lads are and just had, had, had an absolute fantastic English teacher called uh, Mr Butler. He was an older guy and just, you know, again, he was just, you know yourself, you've had good teachers and, you know, they're worth the weight in gold. They want you to, they, they make me wanted to learn, wanted to read and, you know, his, his expressions and the way, you know, we went through Kestrel for a neighbour at a young age just, just captured me about, you know, the English language and, and literature and, and reading really. And, to, and, and at that moment, like I said, from, from being a kid who wasn't that bothered about school, it's something about him. And um, I would talk, you know, just grip me in in, the, in what he was saying, and you know, the fantastic, fantastic book, and you know, probably one of the top three films as well of all time is Kez, and, and just just loved it from from that point really. So it was just again, just just I think the point of having a fantastic teacher and and, and how much they can change change people and, and what they do was was great, and like I say, it was just all. Up striding, there was a big, this big, long dude. He was, he was massive. He was long. He was grey hair, but he was striding around the classroom, all expressive, reading in all different tones of voices, and just, just made you just feel like he was part of the, part of the story. So that one for me has just been a, been a special book. It kind of turned me into wanting to read and, 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 and loving the English language, and, and you know, went on to, to get a decent grade at my GCSE literature because of, because of that teacher, which is um, pretty special, really. Yeah. And um, and then probably one one read recently. Well, recently in the last last year or two was the obstacle is away by by Ryan Holiday. You know, it was uh, Jamie Langley. Jamie Langley took the book on to me. He's a, he's a big reader. He's the he's the librarian with all the books. And if you want, he's a big lad as well. Langley, isn't he? He's massive. Yeah. He's, <laughs> when he's not in the gym, he's, he's reading books. <clears throat> and um, yeah, he took this this on to me, and it was. Um, Probably first delve into into stoicism really, and um, and reading how you know how to view obstacles differently in life, and, and change your mindset really. And that was a, a fantastic book about 
you know, living in the in the moment and only taking care of what you can do. You know, control the controllables is, is what we talk about at um, at rugby all the time. Don't worry about things that are outside your your control. And um, reading that just again really really took me down that little little rabbit hole of, of delving into books about about mindset and, um, and like and that, that stoic um, outlook on life. Really, I really like the bit about the control, Danny, and, and especially I think again under these like these times at the moment, um, to some degree we lack some control, don't we, about what's been going out. We've been told what we have to do. Um, you know, we've got to stay indoors, we've got to stay safe. We can mm. do this, you can do that. And I think that's that's really difficult for a lot of people to be controlled in that way. And and I think. For me, that's really important. It's a really important lesson to learn is that, you know, try and let those things go that you can't be in control of and, and look after the bits that you can be in control of and make sure that that's okay. Yeah, um, that's and right. a brilliant message, actually, to, to, to give out right now to people. Mm, it is. So, you see so much worry and stress and time going to things that just may not happen or you can't have anything to do with. You know, it's like you've just got to, live for that moment there and, and, and do them little things that you can control and, and just accept the obstacles that are in your way and it's easier easier said than done at times it's harder for, for some people than others but yeah once you start um having that kind of mindset you know it, it just changes like your view on life and and makes you a lot more calmer i think and, and a lot more stressed out and, and, and frees your mind a little bit just to in that moment which again it's, that's been a big influence from from what i've read um very much lately on the topic of what you're just talking about fast forward to your <coughs> career and controlling the controllable controllables what about the million pound game when he played toronto away and it was 4-2 how did you control yourself then um you know i tell people a lot of time that that, that was one of the calmest we've been in the coach's box throughout the all-season, all-middle eights, everything. Again, that was the final game of the season and, and you talk about, you know, controlling the controllables and, and, and you know, investing in the process of, of every little bit every day in training, you know. We'd done our work by then as coaching team. We'd done all we could. We'd prepared them the best we could to go out there and, and, and that's probably a hard bit about coaching is you've no control when the boys go onto the field. You know, we did our work during the season, during the week, and then we had just total trust for the lads to go out there and, and do the job at that time. So it was really, it's weird because at 4-2 in a, in, a, in a kind of grand final game, you'd think that would be chewing his nails, shouting, screaming, but, you know, Lang Langers was at side of us and, and we just felt like we was never going to lose because of all them little bits of process every day that we'd done throughout the year and just controlled um, the day. And, worked hard and improved and improved and we knew that we put these lads in certain situations throughout training we practiced every outcome and just let them go out there and play which uh, which you know they did and, and did a fantastic job of doing so it's quite calming actually can i just just to just to put a bit of context there though Danny, because the way you've just mentioned that it sounds very simple right um but simple is not easy and joe just to give you a little bit of a context on that because joe's like joe's from the ice hockey family not rugby family like, oh, like me. <laughs> just, just give just give joe our listeners who maybe you know not everyone's a rugby fan just give them a sort of the magnitude of that that game you know the million pound game what did it mean uh well yeah in terms of uh rugby it's kind of the championship which is the one below the super league and it's it's kind of the grand final whoever wins that gets gets promoted to super league that next year so obviously we've been in been in the competition um, all year. We'd, we'd 
we were second behind Toronto, who were out and out, you know, the, the favourites for going up. You know, they, they spent a lot of money. They had caught, like, absolutely out Super League standard players. And, you know, we, we got a couple of good hidings off them <laughs> during the season over there. We've been over there and beaten by about 30, 40 points, you know, twice previously. So, in terms of then, like, funding that you get, it, it's similar, to, you know, to the Championship football game, where they say that's, like, one of the richest... Um, games in sport is that championship final to get to the Premier League it's similar because the money then you get from from Sky and, and, and the RFL goes up and you're in the in the elite division so you know that that's the magnitude of the game it's, it's the biggest game in the championship season and um, you know we did, we, we did the things that were the middle eights where you played the bottom Super League sides in a mini league and, and all accumulated in this grand final so it was you know the end of the season and, and it was a win or bust really it sounds amazing. I, I still find it a really difficult concept of Toronto having a rugby, a rugby team. Um, my my family have all Hull FC, the staunch Hull FC, um, throughout. Um, like Leon said, I, I my soccer, my, my soccer, mm. soccer. So, um, I used to follow it when I was younger. But they was all going. Um, it was one of my cousin's fiftieth. It was all going this this year to Toronto. All right, yeah. Out there, um, so they were going to visit and watch the matches, and you know, going to have a holiday. And we were thinking mm. about whether we should go or not, and then. Obviously, but I still can't get my head around. They're, they're an ice hockey. It's I an know, ice yeah, it's just, Toronto, not rugby. Yeah, you, it's such a fantastic city because I think, like, for, for half a year, they're just knee deep in snow. And then yeah. in the summer, it's just absolutely baking hot. And it's such a great venue for watching the game. They get like 10,000 there watching rugby games. And it's such, wow. a, such a quality event. It's a fantastic city. Like, we were lucky enough that season to go over three times. We played them in the league away. Then we played them in the middle eights, the qualifiers. Then we, it turned out because they were the, the top side that, that that's where they'd have the final is at their home ground. So we got to go over there three times during the year. And, and like I said, come come the uh, time we went over for, for the million pound game, we, we basically completed it. We've done all the city and all the sightseeing tours and we went and switched on and got the job done. So it was fun. And uh, it was just crazy, crazy. To, we flew home straight after the game as well to go for all that, fly through the night on such a high. It was um, an unbelievable experience. Can I come and be the water girl for when you next go to Toronto? <laughs> Gosh, Ken, there's a long list that everyone's put their name down for that job. I think, <laughs> and I think, I think, interestingly, when you mention like stoicism and about your thinking and mindset, I mean, that's what professional, you, you, you know, professional athletes, that's what you strive about being in that, that flow state, don't you, that zone. Mm. Um, and for me, it just amazes me to, to hear you say, you know, a game of that magnitude and... For a coach, you're calm, collective, and you get the job done. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's not as calm as it sounded. It, it, there was there was a few. It wasn't just we were just smoking cigars and feet up all game. It wasn't probably as that picture I've painted. But compared to some of the other moments during the year, yeah, there were stressful times. But it did just it, it was a lot calmer in that box because it was just the end of a long season and and the end of all that hard work that they put in it. Like you say you put you put the work in, and you see the players just want to come in and get better every day and better every day and, and learn from the mistakes. Like I said, we've been over to Toronto twice during that season and got absolutely dusted up. And then, but every time we came away, we felt right. We'll learn from that, and we'll do this better next time we come. We'll do this differently. We won't do that. And then next time we went, it was a little bit better, but we still got beat. And it always felt like. It always felt like it was going to be, we're going to go back there in the grand final. We kind of knew it coming away that second time. 
So it was like, right, we need to nail it next time and learn from them mistakes. And, and, and that's what it's about, isn't it? That's what life's about. You've got to keep learning and, and progressing. And, and like I said, the work had been done, so the boys just went out and got the job done. Did it when it counts? Did it when it counts? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so you only need to win, win that one sort here in the, in the grand final time. It's him with the next one, Leon. Well, is there any more books? That was two just before we go. Is there any more? Um, oh, yeah, not. Yeah, there's, there's loads. Of them. No, them, them are the two for me. They're, they're, they're the two main ones, I think, who, who really stood out. One for me, youth, who just got me interested in reading, and then one that probably changed a lot of my mindset yeah. recently. Kez is one of my favourite films. It's so good, <laughs> yeah. It's... And do you need anything more on mindset apart from stoicism? I don't think you do, do you? No, uh, well, that's it. That, that's what set me off down that. And that's it. I'm, I'm not well read up on it at all, by no means. You know, it just yeah, it was just got me into it. And, and like I said, just I enjoy reading books. You know, based on that kind of them kind of principles. Now, love it. I'm gonna get you the next one. Um, what is your feel-good song uh, um, or music that gets you sort of focused or makes you happy? Um, um, yeah, I just I love music. I, you know, I could listen to music more than more than just watch TV. I'd easily take you know um, the music collection over over any kind of telly or DVD, and, and I just probably speak about it all day. There's always a different mood or a different vibe that you want depending on you know the weather, your situation. You know, certain records get packed away in the winter, and they only come out in the summer. And uh, yeah, there's whenever you whenever you're down, there's always something to, to lift you up in music. Um, I, I brought up, brought up mainly on Motown by my parents. Brought me up well on on Motown, and then um, you know when I got to my early teenage years, I had, I had an uncle who was you know just a, an out and out punk rocker from the the 70s, and he, he took me down the punk route and used to lend me his old records, and so I was well educated as a, as a youth coming coming up, which I thank, thank my mum and, and my uncle for really, so I've, I've kind of always been into punk and, and ska, ska music, so I think the, certainly for feel good music, I just like, I love that ska vibe, that, that punk ska um, music, so I think anything really by the specials I could get, I think certainly enjoy yourself by the specials, I certainly want to, to get me going when um, just just gets you feeling good, like I said, especially when the sun's shining as well and, and um Maybe something like, like "Let's Do Rock Steady" by the by the Body Snatchers. Just a couple of just really bouncy, scary numbers. I think are just. Uh, but again, it does. There's, there's, there's a song for everything, isn't it? But when you were playing, what was your what was your um your, your game songs? Was any 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 sort of little rituals or anything around that with music? Um. Yeah, well, again, we went through different phases. Some like, um, like uh, probably when I was in my teenage years, it was always like hip-hop or rap that would get, get you pumped up then you'd go through like a dance period where it'd have to be some some wig and pier or something like that or get a, get all the team bouncing but yeah probably always gone back to kind of kind of punk tunes really or a bit of rage against the machine on game day you can't you can't do wrong with I mean a bit of rage to get you get you fired up when you when you're going out on the pitch but it's getting that balance in it you don't want to be too too revved up you don't want to be listening to your big pump up tunes you know 30 minutes before kick off punching walls and then you're all burnt out by by going out, so uh, yeah, open to to most music. You know, when I came down to to London, we had Rob Purdom, who um, was the captain, um, old school captain from Cumbria, was was Perdo, and you know, he just any of them young lads would try and come in and put the put the youthful tunes on, put the dance to it. He'd just go over to radio, just go and plug it, and just 
turn it straight off. He was real old school. I think he listened to like John Denver or, or something like that. He was real just farmer's lad on it, just listening to Cotton Eye Joe all the time. So he wouldn't, take, he wouldn't take anything for listening to this new kind of music, any kind of rap or dance music. It'd be, it'd be straight off. So we had a bit of a strict policy where we didn't listen to many tunes down at, down at Queen's. That's why we probably didn't do so well when we playing here. It's his fault. He was a good player, Rob Perry, wasn't he? he was a good player. Yeah, oh, he was outstanding, yeah. Tough tough as tough as a come was was Perd, yeah. Great bloke as well and, and you know, one of the best captains I've had the uh, privilege to play. We're just led by the front every day and like I said, it, it was all in jest this stuff. It wouldn't give him too much of an hard time when he just throw the CDs across the room. It was all just their their learning curve as a young player coming through <laughs> and that music will be tolerated. But yeah, it was a top role. But, I mean, for me, what always in- interests me when I speak to you know, professional rugby players and, and, <coughs> and, and uh, is the sort of dynamic of the sort of age range you go from, you know? So you've got, like you just mentioned, Pedro there at that level, and then someone more, you know, younger coming in. Mm. And it, it's how you've got to man manage them people and, and, and change. Um, and just looking back at, you know, your, your sort of career, it, it's bloody impressive it's ridiculous um, apart from that, I've got I mean what was that one you just put in there Paul just looking for your score he scored one, one downside he scored against all in the in the final 2005 one good enough though was it Paul that one so I'm just going to that one who was there yeah but if you remember I was the one who let Cookie through for winning try so I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think you're that bothered that I, uh, I scored no. against you because oh, I used to tackle on Cookie no, that lost the game had, so We'd had many, had many tears when you when you played against us with Leeds. Um, <coughs> painful. Um, but what's interesting, you know, that Leeds team that you was part of was just incredible, wasn't it? It was like a, a team that just didn't know how to lose, did it? Um, yeah. And or give up. I mean, you you just look through. What sort of lessons have you learned, you know, from because you've worked with some incredible leaders and you're, you've become an incredible leader yourself. So, what sort of lessons have you learned around around that? Um, I think yeah, some of the, some of the best leaders are just led from the front really and and done the talking on the field and you know they've got to they've got to do the business they've got to walk the walk before you know there's no point just saying this and that if, if they don't go out and do it themselves so you know you look at say Kevin Sinfield for instance who, who kind of led us as, as captain at Leeds from a young age I think he was given the captaincy at like 21 because you know the, the, the coaching staff saw his leadership skills in, in he just did everything on the money on and off the field and was a great guy and uh, you know his leadership is probably you know one of the greatest captains um, the game's seen really over in this country and his record speaks for itself but I think that's it you, you've got to just you've got to earn the trust of the team you've got to you've got to care about the team more than anything put the team first and um, and, and just like I said lead, but lead by example let everyone see what you do and, and hopefully they'll, they'll follow you yeah, love that, love it. I think it's exciting, it's exciting you know, um, where where rugby's going. I think at the minute, I think it's really exciting. I think like with, with where it's going, expanding. I think it's the ultimate sport. I was talking to you. We we always champion it, don't we, Joe? Um, I just think it's the ultimate sport, and it needs needs the world to see more of it. I think. Um, I think it's incredible. Can't agree with him. Oh yeah, that's. What, I'm just all for for expansion, and, and I know there's 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 a lot of people who don't like it going into America or at Toronto. But like I say we've got the greatest game in the world. You know that's what we believe. So we should be out showcasing it and showing it um, the best we can. To, it is the I think it is the best sport in the world. Danny, what's it like at grassroots level in London? <clears throat> I know it's been hard to break into London. Yeah. Um it's doing quite well now, isn't it? It, 
it's yeah, it's done it's done pretty well down here. You know, so there's a lot of clubs playing the game. It's, the, the the issue you kind of got it is it's such a vast area for for lads yeah. to to play. You've got look, all the way down to the south coast. You know, Southampton and places like that up to up to you know Hemelmstead and, and and further. So it's um, it's such a big area. So you talk about <clears throat> up north where every game you, you're probably travelling. Tr- 20 minutes and max when I was a kid you know you'd go to your Leeds your Wakefields Jewsbury's um, yeah. Halifax all that it was only 20 minutes away where some of these youngsters now a festival or a game might be two hours drive away do you know on a Saturday morning and it's more or less your full day taken up as parents as you, as you know it's, it's a full time job to taking your kids around into activities but there's a lot of people playing the game down here the fantastic work by volunteers who are just you know passionate about the game and and keep producing them players and it's just it's, it is a big area to manage and you know we try to do as much as we can at Broncos to help spread the game and get people playing um, but yeah the, obviously when, when lads come into our scholarship system again the the, the obstacles of, of the travel you know where they could be coming three hours on public transport just to get to a training session on a Tuesday night and, and then they've got the travel home and the school work to catch up on it's, it's fair play to them it's, it's a yeah, it's, it's, it's outstanding what they do and go through. But there's a lot of people playing it, and a lot of good players down here as well. It's exciting. I think there's nothing better than sport, though, um, or having an interest. I'm always a bit, bit more biased to sport because it's something that I've always enjoyed all of my life. Um, and, you know, I've been a mum that's taken my kids around the country, ice hockey. Um, you don't have clubs nearby, you're always mm. having to travel. And, and so I completely agree. You know, we, we set off sometimes at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. You won't get back home until five, five, six o'clock in the afternoon for, you know, for a one hour game. Um, but I would do it all over again and all over again and all over again because I just think yeah. that that what the kids learn and, and what they get from being and um, not only from the activity itself but <coughs> the team and the discipline and everything else that goes with it mm. so important. Um, I would I, I, and you know you do have a bit. It is a big commitment. Mm. But I, I think I would. I would just do it a million times over. Yeah, I can imagine that's very similar. The ice hockey, you've got the travel involved and the commitment yeah. by the parents. It's, it's a shame the, the kids don't see that commitment of the parents when they're, when they're a young age <laughs> until no. until you grow up and see what your mum and dad's been through. And, and to, uh, But at that time, they just don't see it. And I'll try and get that point to the scholarship lads. Is thank your mums and dads for bringing you all this way and the commitment they go, clocking off work early to get you to training or you know spending all their weekends trips and four lads round in a car to get them to a game and, and the appreciation showed probably little at that time when they're, when they're 14, 15 years old but it's uh, I say it's a massive commitment but the benefits like I said from playing a, a team sport the discipline you know the fun that they have from it is it, well worth it for those parents it is it is right then what purchase of £50 or less has <laughs> more positively impacted your life in the last six months yeah, this was this is a tough one because I'm not I don't know I'm a auctionman I don't like spending anywhere near fifty pounds. <laughs> God, you still might live down south for fifty quid. Well, but uh, you don't go anywhere down south fifty quid. Don't exactly, you? Two prices gone. That's it. That's what it's like. So even more times are out down here. But um, I was trying to think, and again, don't don't buy too much stuff. But I got. Got kind of me, um, got me, got me girl a, a, an app for a piano to learn, learn piano, and I've just taken over it. It was about, I think it was like about thirty pound 
I think it was called Simply Piano or something like that. And she's got, she'd had this big keyboard in a, in a room that she'd been playing a little bit. And when lockdown started, I just thought I took it on myself to download it on my phone. And I think that's it, it was 30 quid. And, and just the way I went with, with this uh, piano training. And just again, just trying to use that time wisely of being stuck in the house. So I'm going to try and learn a, learn a new skill and, and test myself a little bit. And it's hard. So I've got massive sausage fingers. So it's, uh, it's, not, it's not the most ideal instrument for me to play. But I try and try and do it, you know, if it's half an hour every day where I can just try and get to myself and, and play piano. I've been doing it for three months now. And I think it's, it's not just it's great. I'd love to be able to just play an instrument and you know one of them where you're all at a party and there happens to be just that big piano there and you absolutely go and, and kill and it that comes out the rage on the machine that's it that's, <laughs> that's the dream isn't it that's the dream but uh, I'm nowhere near that level yet but just having that focus of uh, giving myself something to do every day was make sure that I try and read I try and play piano and you know try and exercise every day throughout this lockdown has probably probably kept me sane so it's it's had probably a big impact as, as that um it's just not just thinking around the piano. It's giving me, give me some focus and, and something to achieve during lockdown. So that's been probably pretty big in this last three months, bigger than I probably imagine. How are you doing on the ukulele, Leon? <laughs> all right, I've, I've, I've got a little ukulele. Um, in the oh, yeah. I'm all right, I'm, I'm all right. Um, yeah. Zoe, Zoe would argue different, Paul. <laughs> and yeah. wife would argue different, but it's, it's doing all right. Um, but a bit like, like you were done, I think, um, when we went into this lockdown, you got two sort of options, haven't you? Um, you either stand still, don't you? Or mm. I, 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 I set myself goals where I want to come out where I've got more skills. I want to be fitter than what I went in and come out better. And I think um, I love that question because we we always get random answers on that. I, I never expected Danny Ward to be telling us he plays the piano. Did you, Paul? Never. Yeah, surprise you there. He's just made that up. He's got a mess. I have to hear a bit of a tune, Danny. Oh, okay. Duet. What can you play on ukulele? Yeah. Do a duet one time. Okay. No, practice. Come back next week and duet on something. You can. You two can sing as well. If you're not playing, then you can sing. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, longer than lockdown to help me sing. I'll tell you. It's a for you. Go, it's in with the next one. Okay. So do you have a lesson from a failure of yours? Um, I think probably one is just, I don't, don't try and dwell on, on the failures too much. I look probably certainly over over the course of, of my life and, and playing career and, and being a being a, an adult and yeah, there's been lots of lots of failures and, and I think you can't you can't dwell on them and learning to, to move on from your failures is, is just just important where it is it can be harder when you're younger and that's probably something I've, I've learned as I've got older and I wish I'd have, I'd have got a grasp of as a young kid is you spend so much time about about worrying about what's happened and any kind of mistakes you've made or, or like I say, I've had some big big mess ups in my life as well but uh, again it's it's just moving on from it and, and learning best you can I don't think you can put an actual one that sticks out massively but you know <coughs> you always kind of got told that you know today's news is it's tomorrow's fish and chip wrappers really so it's uh, you worry about what other people are thinking and and just 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 crack on and, and learn from it and make sure it, it doesn't happen again and again if you're making them same failures over and over then you've, you've got some kind of issue that needs to be addressed but if you can learn and, and move on you know people forget about it and, and um, you just make yourself better for it but, but on, on that 
as well, that, that mindset don't come easy to many people. You know, um, where does that come from? Where does that stem from? Um, having that, you know, failure is not, you know, not, not seen as a negative, you know, because you, you, you already I've picked up massively. You know, you talk about the Toronto, you know, the game, you know, mm. going into that, you know, taking a couple of hidings and going back. And, um, where does that thinking um, come from? Um, maybe it's just something that we've picked up throughout the game. Um, I said it's so you, so relevant to your everyday life as well, and what you can what you can teach your kids, and how you can go about everyday life. But that's something certainly I've, I've picked up from from rugby and sport. Again, it's you know whatever happens if you if you get scored again or or you make a mistake or, or any kind of adversity, and you see we we try and incorporate that into his training. We try and put the lads in. We try and give them adversity. We try and make them do say extra reps when they don't expect it, or make them do extra tackles when they don't expect it and see how they react. And, and you know, we're big on that. Certainly in pre-season, we'll put some some um, drills in place where we try and put them under the pump. We'll make them tired, make them mentally tired, physically tired, and then make them do some more and then see how they react. And at first, they'll all be throwing their hands up, talking negative, you know, whispering to each other or, you know, getting at each other and snapping at each other. And then slowly, the more you do it, the more you say, well, listen, you can't. Again, going back to that, you can't control what's what's happening. You can't control that error there that you're going to have to do another six tackles from. You can't control that the team's scored against you. All you can focus in what what comes next. What what's his next job now? How can we get things back on track? And that's just again a tool that we try and use every day in training. And, and lads are perfect at it, but you will see them get better at that as uh, as time goes on. And uh, in pre-season, you just hammer it every day. Every session, you'll go back to right. What happened last week in this situation? We got each other. You started arguing. Did it help? No. What could we have done better? And then that session's a little bit better. Then the session the week after is a little bit better. And that's just lessons in in sport, but it's so relevant to your everyday life. I think, and, and that's what you we try and help with the lads and try and develop them as, as people as well as rugby players. Yeah. Do you think, Leon and Paul, I don't know what you think about this, but um, do you think there's something as well about when, as you're getting older, that maturity as well kind of kicks in with these mm. failures and stuff, and that actually we tolerate them much better and can kind of sort of put them in a box that actually maybe what happened, you know, something that might have happened when we was much younger just wouldn't impact us in the same way now that we're older because we've, we've learned so much through life that actually it just it just doesn't have the same impact and we know that we can sweep things to one side and move on and, and like you said you know learn from the lessons and learn from the mistakes and and then you, you move forward again yeah i believe um with failures i learned to live with the failures quite a long time ago um I, I coached these quite a long time ago, Danny, when Leon was younger. Yeah. Um, I, all, my, all my faults in life stem from my coaching. I, I still believe um, I'm a brick in a wall. That's what I used to get told. I'm a brick in a wall. That's what I used to get told from. But just ridiculous what it used to make me do. Ridiculous. Still scared today, don't I? We didn't have no, we didn't have no loose bricks, Leon, did we, in our team? Just, and he remembers it. He remembers it, so it stayed there, didn't it? Well, um, <laughs> I, I now, um, I don't know. I find it harder as I get older to deal with failure a lot because I think sometimes there's a lot more riding on it. But I'm getting. 
better. But years ago, I, I, I just need to practice what I preach sometimes. Um, cause I know nothing's personal and if, if people make a mistake, like I used to teach the rugby players, they don't make a mistake on purpose. So we just get on with it and we don't get on the backs and people don't do it. People don't make mistakes on purpose, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit hard for me, that one. I, I wish the reason why it's got first, because it's quite interesting, this, at the minute, is... Hopefully I hadn't fired that one at me, that one. No, but the reason, the reason why I fired that one first for you is, I think it's sort of changing, Danny, um, in terms of the way we view failure. Um, and this links back into, you know, if we just look around the work we're all doing in mental health and, you know, mm. you developing players, coaching and being a leader, um, I think, you know, one of the biggest problems like we're trying to fight is uh, there's no bigger problem than people taking their own life, suicide, right? Yeah. So when we look at that problem that we're all trying our hardest to fix, is it's only been in the last couple of years, Joe, hasn't it? And correct me if I'm wrong, where it has actually been proven that we need to talk suicide and call it out. And I mean, I don't what what period has it been the, the talk suicide campaign? How long has that been out now? Um, oh gosh, it's only been really. We only started the work last year. Let's just say roughly 12 months. Yeah. And then you look at the work we're doing with Andy's Man Club in terms of saying it's okay to talk. and it, Right? I, I think there's a big change in how we view failure is coming. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Rugby League has suffered some big tragedies with, with lads taking their own life. It, it's, it's well known, isn't it? And I think um, a lot of the old sort of paradigms, I call it, like like Paul talks about, is it, we didn't used to say that, how are you, how are you doing? Oh, everything's all, all fine, you know. And, and that is sort of like, you know, Paul, Paul you were suffering, weren't you, with mental health? And us yeah. rugby lads, we used to ask you if it's all right, but we didn't know what to do. It's that banter culture and all, you know, all that stuff. And how me and Paul got involved in running Andy's Man Club was I knew Paul was suffering and Luke asked me to set up a club. And interestingly, that was the first time when we used to sit on a Monday night and say, How's your week been? What's one positive for your week? That was the first time I'd sat and really listened to Paul share. But on the flip side, I started sharing some of my deepest, darkest secrets. And a bit like we mentioned, like stoicism you know, and talking that, it sort of helps just expressing it and dealing with it and then reviewing it just step by step. And, and I think what resonates, what you just said, Danny, is um, focusing on what's next in the week ahead. So forget about what's gone on. And some of the stuff we hear in Andy's Man Club's horrendous, isn't it, at times, Paul, what the lads go through. Yeah, um, yeah. But what I find so empowering is they take their own effort to turn up and go again and go again. And, and I think I like that in rugby. In rugby, you know, um, you don't have to be the best, but you, as long as you work to a team, you can dominate your opponent, you can do different things and you can work together to, like you mentioned, take that obstacle out. So my answer to your question, Joe, is I think... We're only just starting to be comfortable with putting our hand up, saying that I need help. I think that's that's what I would say. What would you what would you say, Matt, Danny? Um, yeah, I think I think it's a bit of both. I think certainly I've got better with age, really, but maybe as I've got older, a lot more of this stuff's come on the scene, like the, like Andy's Man Club. And so, whether it's me getting older or whether there's just a lot more work going into it now than there used to be. You know, you know, growing up, it was, it was it was never okay to talk as a bloke, was it? You just kept your mouth shut and, and you cracked on and man up on it. It was that that was it, and and maybe I don't know whether whether there just there needs to be a, a lot more work done with you know high school kids and things like that and start at such a young age now because that's it's all right teaching them all these subjects at school, but you know you've got to teach them you know all these things about life as well and how to how to cope with these situations and getting their mind you know healthy as well. So. 
you know a lot of the a lot of this that we're doing now when we do the mental health workshops and and state of mind and andy's man club we do all these now but they, they just weren't around when when we was younger so maybe it's me getting a little bit older a little bit more mature i think there's a little bit of that but at the same time you know it's credit to to all you know all you guys and, and all these people out there doing doing this mental work with with people and um so i think it's a little bit of both in that respect and it's it's such a hard culture these days as well with, with you know social media and you think of all mm-hmm. these players now are just living their life in the spotlight so much so yeah, the work with mental health is getting better as well, but this constant criticism, keyboard warriors, all this social media nonsense that goes on with being a, say, a sports star or in your line of work, it, that's just such a hard thing to take on as well. I'm glad that that wasn't about when I was playing. I, th- I think while we're, while we're so successful in our community work and the man club is, we're all get, we get, sometimes we get 70, 80 guys on a Monday night, all, all in... And we give them a place where there's no social media, there's no telephones, um, but we give them some place that they feel confident that they can open up and they have confidence in us that it won't go anywhere else. Like we say we'll work on Chatmouse Rolls. So they can open up knowing that it's it's not going to go anywhere else. And it gives them the confidence to tell us the deepest, some t- horrible things that they've been through, but then they go out that door an hour and a half later, and it's like a weight's been lifted off the shoulders, and they come back next week, and we see the journey month after month coming through that door, sharing, <coughs> and it's important listening, and it's brilliant to watch the journey that the guys go on, and we're, we're not professionals, we haven't done anything. All we've done is give them a place where they can talk, and they can listen, unconditional, and as we do it and non-judgmental and we do it with empathy and we care and just a few basic things is all that some people need and it's yeah. it's working i think you know we've, we've had this, a bit of a discussion around this before and i think people think that it's um it's it's massive and it's sophisticated and actually that's all people want is to be heard and to have a to be able to sit down with somebody that's going to care about them and listen to them um, and, and ultimately, that's what anybody wants, and, and that's not hard to do, is it? For any of us, we can all we can all do that. But Danny, going back to what you said about um, getting it into schools and things, we um, we're hoping that something will click. And just sort of hearing you say, we talked to Matt Attorney the other weekend, and we had a great conversation with him and the work that he's doing in New Zealand. And somehow we all need to join that together because we're all coming from exactly the same stances that we need to get in early. Especially, you know, I, I, I've talked about the experiences of my own son, um, who's who's lived with me, who's, who's worked in mental health all of my life. And, and I, you know, I just talk about it like, you know, you would your rugby. Right. Um, it, it's no it's no different than they hear me talk about suicide and all the rest of it. Yet there's still this reluctance from, from um, my youngest to talk. And we've seen that as he's hitting those kind of teenage years. Um, and especially under COVID, it's, it's, we've noticed a little bit of a change in him. And, and you know, having to talk to him is really, is quite difficult. And, and that spared me on even more to want to do something and to really get into schools and make it from a very young age that it is okay to talk, get them kids, <coughs> you, you know, that I feel really yeah. passionate about it and I'm getting more and more passionate as the weeks go on. And, um, sorry, sorry, yeah. sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic subject. It's it happened, about, it I think. 
I think like, being around, like you speak about, you these man clubs, it's, it's surrounding yourself with good people and people who are the same kind of mindset as you. If, if everyone's sat there and they trust each other and they know everyone cares about them, they're, they're, they're the people who count. You've got to surround yourself by people like that. So so many people care about what others think and are absolutely totally irrelevant to them. I mean, everything's about kind of image and, and how many likes you get in on, on Instagram and, and, and about from people you don't even know and don't even care about. You know, you've got to, You've got to care about yourself and surround yourself with with good, like-minded people. No, I love that, and I and I, I'm gonna before we get on to the next <coughs> question, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up on a little bit though, because I love to talk about technology, me, Danny. Uh, in terms of, um, I think technology is amazing. It allows us to do, do some amazing things, but it's just the way we sort of look at technology, and it's like I believe Andy's man club works because of social media. So that's the positive side. But then why it works so well is. We go back to being cavemen, sitting on the st- a fire and telling stories. That's pretty much the essence of it. Um, and it's just empowering people to use technology better. And I, and I think that only comes from um, us as leaders in our own communities and, and as fathers and as brothers, sisters and, and husbands and everything like that. Because, you know, just listening to yourself, you're using technology to learn the piano. You've used technology. We all use technology in some ways. The social media one, does need sorting and it needs someone to put some sort of idea together to get rid of the trolls. I'm champion for, um, I think we should all have a digital ID and we should be held accountable for what we say online to what we say if we was in the street. You know, I couldn't walk down the street and troll somebody, I'd get locked up and it should be the same online. So I think I think the, it just needs running at and sorting. Um, but I'm going to do this next one, Danny. What is a favourite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world <coughs> and why? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, there's, there's been a lot, obviously, there's um, there's a lot of quotes knocking around and, and you, you see like a rugby environment where things are just stuck on gym walls and, and all that and, and not actually thought about really in a sense. So you, you come up with lots of quotes. So I've never been too mad on them, but one kind of sticks with me from, again, it was like my, my teenage years when I just started out at Leeds and, and I think it was, it was all, it was printed on a, on a sheet of paper maybe at the start of pre-season and. And it was just like um, something like destiny is not something to be waited for; it's something to be achieved. And that that always kind of stuck with me from a young age. And I, and I cut this cut this piece of um, paper off and um, sellotaped it to me to my wardrobe at, at my mum's house. It's, I think it's still there; it's still stuck on my mum's wardrobe now. And that's from my being sixteen. And I think it's so many people just kind of. So for me, the meaning was like so many people just sit back and think, "Oh, that's my destiny. That that'll happen to me. I'll I'll be a, a singer, or a, or I'll get with the love of my life." And and it's it's no destiny. You've got that, but you've still got to go out and you've got to work hard to achieve all these things. You know, you can't just wait for things to happen. You've got to you've got to go out. Whether it's work or relationships, you know, you might be people talk about being with your soulmate, but still. That just you've still got to put so much work into to relationships. You can't just sit back and just think everything will just happen, <clears throat> and it'll be what'll be what'll be. You know, you've got to go put work into every aspect of your life and keep developing as a, as a person to go achieve. You know what you're meant to achieve. I like that. Right then, this one in the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life? Um, similar to what we've just been talking about, really, just delving into stoicism a little bit and and, the, and mindset and you know a lot of that's come down to, to what we've done at, at rugby and, and, and certainly the books we've, we've read and discussions we've had and and just just being a lot calmer person 
really, do you know, by by thinking about just being in the now and controlling what can control. And, and I know we've gone over it quite a lot today, but it just makes your life such, well, it's just a lot easier. You're not getting the stressed as much by, you know, you used to be one of them, you get yourself in a traffic jam and all of a sudden you just anger levels will go up just by sitting in, in traffic. And, and you get angry, then you take that with you to your job when you arrived at your job five minutes late and that'd rub off on the people who were around you. And I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I've had to live with down here is traffic. It's in London, you know, there's, there's no worse than traffic, but you, it's just one of them things that you can't control. You can't, there's no, you can't take a shortcut because that'll be worse off. It's just put up with it, deal with it and, and focus on something else. So, you know, it, it's a, I'll use that example as, I'll use that time to, to call some people, to speak to some friends, um, put a pop- podcast on on the radio, just you know, think about my day, put some plans in place, and just like I say, chat to people on the phone and just just sit in the traffic, enjoy it as best you can. Put some music on, as we spoke about earlier. So <clears throat> it's just something as simple as that. I think just just living in the, in the moment and, and just being able to do what you can um, do at that time. I think that that's certainly one one habit that's just probably changed my life quite a bit. And I'm still. Still working on that. Like I say, I'm not this, uh, not this budder who's just all calm. I don't know. Across that, still, still lose it quite a I bit. Think, I think, I think that the, the car <laughs> is a really good place to learn about you in a chimp, in it. It's um, yeah. for me, that's what that, it's still. I, I realise that I'm an absolute awful driver. That's what I've realised. Um, so now I just giggle um, when people get angry with me because I know I'm the fault. So, but yeah. My, my chimp came out last night, I, you know, like I was, I said about going for a walk and all the rest of it and um, I'd, I'd ended up, I'd, I'd sent my son somewhere and then popped, I popped to the shops because I had to go get somebody to pay for where he'd gone and oh, anyway, when I get, I get to the shops and I thought, oh, ice creams, we'll get some really nice ice creams and I'll take them back to him and, and this other guy that he was meeting and <clears throat> gets to the, the checkout, I even got some beers, I thought it's a real nice night, I'll have some beers. I'd left my purse at home. <laughs> That's the second time I've done it during COVID. Never really done it throughout my life. And then second time during COVID. And of course, because I don't go out, because I'm working from home, I, I'm not going out at tea time, so I ain't got a clue what the traffic's like. Well, actually, it was just like it normally is, and it was rammed. So it took me two hours to take him for his session and then to go to the shops and come back and pick him up again. Well, at the time I got back home, I was just like, I was raging. I was so, raging. So you take, Danny, you take Danny's <laughs> advice. You take Danny's advice. I don't know advice sometimes. <laughs> it was a shock. It was yeah. a shock. All the time we've been, you know, like having this real peace and quiet and mm. walking around and not much cars. And then I get, I just get stuck in the middle of it all. And I was, yeah, I won't face it. Them, so. Yeah, and that's it. it. Happens all the time, doesn't it? You see so many people just walking around angry or face on over things that have happened. And, and it just to say, it can spoil your day and affect so many else around you as well. Your mood just rubs off on everyone, you know. Yeah, we've done got it. I need to work on it myself. This homeschooling my kids has, has brought some terrible mornings, and, and it's just trying to it's just losing it over trying to teach science to a to an eleven year old and things. And again, your mood rubs off. Someone gets out of bed in a little bit of a grumpy mood. All of a sudden, you're in a mood. Then that rolls on to to your homeschooling, and all of a sudden, you're having a terrible morning. So it's just trying to 
trying to learn when you're in them moods. We're all we all get in and we all get in bad places or, or lose it, get aggressive or, or angry at something, and it's just refocus, just stop, take a pause, smile at something, have a little giggle, and then just realise about how you move on from it, and otherwise it's going to affect all your day, and everyone's going to have a terrible time. Absolutely, totally agree. And I did snap out of it after about five minutes of getting home. Oh, my husband said, Oh, you seem in a lovely mood today. (laughs) 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 Yes, I did get over it. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) So, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself at 18? And what advice should you have ignored? Um, I think it was probably. Pretty fixed mindset as an 18 year old. I, I didn't. I wish I'd have worked harder at um, certainly at rugby. I wish I kind of always just thought I had kind of my limits and, and that was it. That was as good as I was going to get. And I'd just turn up, do my job. And I wish, you know, I'd have put extra into into um, into bettering myself really on different skills or, you know, you, you kind of get pigeonholed as, as a rugby player. As I, I was a prop, that was my job. All I got to do is cart a ball up. You know, do my tackling. Whereas, why couldn't I expand my, my skills into better passing? Could I spin the ball both ways? Little things like that, and developing myself. I kind of just had, had in my head as, as an eighteen-year-old. This is me. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'll do. I'll just focus on this rather than probably trying to expand myself and expand my game, getting the kicking game or something like that. And uh, and just probably just you know working on to speed um a little bit more i was just thought oh well, that's as quick as i'm going to get i'm never going to get any faster i, I, I won't like do extras on my speed work on my there's some hands there though danny back in the day there's some hands there again <laughs> oh a little bit yeah it could have been could have been better really and i, I don't think i worked probably as as well as i could have done i suppose it's it's looking back you always think you could have done more when you look back don't you so i suppose yeah. you give yourself a hard time sometimes thinking i should have done that more i wish i'd have we should have spent more time on that whether it's a little bit of that or there's um, genuine think that I could have probably worked a little bit harder in, uh, in them. What do you think you would achieve differently? Because from what you're all saying, you've got an incredible career and <laughs> what, what what do you think you um, would achieve differently? Could, I think you could always, yeah, I could have always had a better career going, one, you know, I'd like to have won more things as a player. Mm-hmm. And um, again, maybe if, if I had worked harder, that had an effect on people around me as well. Um, and that's probably one thing probably affect your teammates in that sense. So if I'd have worked a little bit harder on them things, maybe you know a couple of mates might have done an extra five minutes, and all them extra five minutes, ten minutes that we might have done, probably you know they all add up in the in the bigger picture of things. So you know there was no kind of limit on what what could have achieved or got better at as a, as a player. That again, I don't know whether it's just hindsight. It looks looks differently when you look back, but uh, probably just worked a little bit more on my mindset as a kid but there probably wasn't much as we've said there wasn't much yeah. on that mental side of things as, as, as an 18 17 you know, year old kid coming through it was all just about the physical side you've got to get in the gym you've got to lift lift big weights you've got to be out in the field playing and, and there probably wasn't a lot of work done in on that mental side of the game as much now so uh, it's available everywhere i think the challenge is in it i think i was talking <coughs> I was having a conversation with my mum the other day, actually, in the garden for the first time. We were talking about, you know, my grandma's even at 84 using um, Zoom and Meet and, and use all the technology. And it's like the pace of change and the access to information that we have on our hands and our mm. fingertips now. You know, we can learn about mindset. We can learn about and back then, they want, you know, even like 10 years ago, we wouldn't have access to all that information, did we? So I think there's an element of that. Um, yeah. 
So didn't they, it all goes back to that maturity again, though, as well, doesn't it? Because you know, at eighteen, we're still we are very young. I mean, they're even saying now that really we don't mature properly until late twenty-five. You've got to have those times where you have the fun and you are a bit more relaxed about things as well. And I think I don't know that you always get that. Some some people have got that drive from really early on, haven't they? And for other people, it just takes longer to come. Um, you know. I think sometimes we, we all do ourselves a bit of a disjustice because I think we were, we were when we were younger. And, um, I, I always found it interesting, though, John, <coughs> when we're interviewing um, professional sportsmen, um, just how critical, it just amazes me. Don't I? I look at your career and, and you're critical of it. And um, I always remember when we interviewed lastly, um, didn't we, Andy, last Old's coach? And again, I've known lastly for years. And just the way he was just so critical about what he achieved. And I'm just like, what? Why is it with these yeah. sportsmen? Like yeah, that's it. Yeah, we, we, we want to win more. We want, we want to achieve more. And that's all we, we're driven to do as, as players. And you look back, and, yeah, we probably are a little bit even more critical when we, when we look back at ourselves and his careers that uh, we want to achieve more. But yeah, I suppose that's just the, the blow for that. Where I'm linking in with that, because that goes nicely, Danny. You've, you must have read my mind where I was going. Now, having that high level of, you know, of being a winner, um, you know, at times we all feel burnt out, unfocused, unenergised, overwhelmed. So if helpful, what, you know, what questions do you ask yourself to get yourself out of that, that mindset? Um, I'd probably just maybe put myself in a, you know, what, what would I, what would I tell my kids? What would I advise my kids to do in this situation? You know, and I think um, it's all right. Give yourself an hard time if you, if you unenergized or you're unfocused and you feel like again being critical yourself you've always got to be on you've always got to be that high energy fully focused person and and i think sometimes you just take a step back and realize it's all right to have a have an off day it's all right to have a day where you where you're not focused or you're not energized and and but just you know know what you're in then you've got to recognize it and, and i think you know just just what would I kind of tell my kids? How would I? How would I help them in, in them days? I think that really um, would be what I'd do and sit back at that time. <coughs> Funny, I had a bit of a we had um, a bit of a meltdown at, at home with kids, and you know, one of them days where everyone seems to be screaming and, and shouting at each other, and kids end up getting sent to bed, and, and, and technology <laughs> taken off them, and it just it was just one of them where you know kids weren't doing as they were asked and being kids and. And then me, my little girl was, was upset and, and she ended up writing me a note while she was in bed and um, she apologized, like to apologise and, and, and say, she, and she's, always, what, she's nine and she just kind of wrote it. It really stuck with me that she just said, I've just had a bad day and it's okay to have bad days. And she, oh. she wrote that. <clears throat> and this, this, she's like, she, she was more smarter than me. And that's and she said, I've had a bad day and we, we all have bad days. I'm sorry. And, and that just kind of stuck with me that, and she brought it downstairs, and you know, you're, you're like, like yeah. oh. <laughs> I want to, I want to be mad at you. I still want to be angry at you, but you <laughs> just hit the nail on the head. And, and I'm having, I think that's that's one thing as a parent. You expect your kids to be on the money all the time. Please and thank you, best behaviour, hundred percent. They've got to be in a good mood. They've got to come downstairs with a smile on the face, and and the, you expect so much as a parent with your kids to be on that. And it's like, well, why do they? We have bad days, and then. I still don't have my mum and dad telling me to put a smile on the face or and and we expect so much of his kids in that sense and, and just how she put that is it is okay to have a bad day um, 
when she no. reckoned she recognized it and then you know the next day it was fine we, we woke up we were we got a smile back on his face and we worked on the things from the day so i think it is important to to yeah, recognize if you're having a bad day it's not the end of the world but as long as you're recognizing it and knowing how to try and get yourself out and focus on that that next day or that that, that, that next job you've got to do smiles on people's faces um and people's perception um Wayne Bennett, I've never seen that man smile, but apparently the players is an absolute Gemini. <coughs> what do you like to work with, Danny? Yeah, it was, it was a quality experience because obviously I'd seen <coughs> I'd seen Wayne from you know this side of the TV really, and what everybody yeah. sees him, you know, awkward in interviews, not giving much to to reporters or anything like that. And I kind of seen this never smiles, never shows any kind of emotion during a game. And yeah, to, to see him on the other side of it, like I said, the lads just love being around him. He's not like that when, when you know, the camera's out there. He's, he's, um, you've got a great sense of humour, um, a good bloke. And he just, again, he cares about the players. He's all about, he's all about the lads and um, how they feel, what they're going through will protect them uh, to, to the death in the media and places like that where they're getting criticised and he takes things on himself. And, and the lads see that and... Like again, if, if people see that, that you've got that care inside and, and you trust as a coach, you know, that, that that's what the lads want to see, I think, more than any kind of technical ability or is, it, is an absolute got the best rugby brain in the world. It, they want to see that you care about them and, and yeah. they want to see they've then trust you and they'll, they'll go out and, and, and give their all for you. And that's one big thing I learned. <clears throat> I like Wayne Bennett. I like him. His, his record speaks for itself, right? Exactly, yeah. Apart from Wayne Bennett, who in the world would you like to interview, past and present, and why? Um, I suppose probably got to feel like you come out with like a rugby one or a coach or an ancient philosopher or something like that. But uh, I, I just again goes back to music. I love I love chatting music. I love, love talking about music. It'd definitely be someone who who you know someone. Uh, Johnny Marr or, or I, I always <coughs> Smiths are absolutely been my favourite band of all time of the Smiths and, and I've always loved Morrissey and Marr and what they wrote but I don't uh, Morrissey just seems a bit like a div as I've grown all these uh, I don't think I'd ever like to sit down and interview him because he, he, he's not all, all, all there but certainly someone like Johnny Marr or Noel Gallagher uh, Bob Dylan um, definitely be someone musical I think from, from what I've listened to over the course of my life and just, just chat chat tunes with them really and and rather than sitting down and having an in-depth with, uh, with Alex Ferguson or something like that, or a rugby player or a, or a rugby coach, I think it'd be just, just nice chilled out, chat about music, I mean. Love that. That's us. We've, we've, we've nearly there. We've done it. We've done over an hour. It's flown by. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a while, isn't it? Yeah. One final one, John, we? Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> we always have a couple around this bit. So, is there anything that we should have asked but we didn't? I think so, no. I don't think so. We're talking all day, then, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you learned anything from the show and having to, you know, sort of the answers and the questions that we've given and the discussions? Is there anything that you feel that you've learned? Um, yeah, it's, it's great to talk about things, isn't it? It's great to see like-minded people talking about, you know, the, the mental side of it and, and, and the mental work that needs to, to be put into people and, and, and speaking to people with similar views and all that kind of things. It's always nice to nice to chat about that. Um, 
you know, maybe sometimes a bit critical of myself as well. But you've got to be your own worst critic at times. And <coughs> but no, it's been, it's been a great chat. And we've got one last um, favour to ask, really. So the www.talksuicide.co.uk, there's some um, a 20-minute training, Zero Suicide Alliance training. And just what we ask our guests, really, is will you please take the training? It's around suicide. It's about being able to spot the signs, speak about suicide and signpost people on. But not only that, would you um, kind of put it out there on your networks as well to try and encourage? And we'd probably say from about 16, 16 upwards, really. Um, but if, if you if you could um, kind of put that out there for people to take, it's great for, you know, sort of players and, and everybody else to, to take 100%. Yeah, definitely will. As we've discussed today, it's such an important part and it's such a, such a massive cause. It's, it's, it's suicide prevention now, certainly with young men that, that I'm dealing with every day so I'd love to champion now I'll get that get that training done as soon as I've finished my piano yeah good we'll get, we'll get <laughs> um, and just to sort of wrap up I, I thought it's been absolutely incredible really appreciate you having you on taking the time it's been an honour an honour to have you on um, so that's Leon checking out Paul Paul checking out Joe checking out Danny checking out thanks for having us thank you Danny <laughs>